Good morning. It is morning as we do this podcast live. It's magic time. I'm Scott Squires, pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Moncton Magic, Joe Salerno. And uh, Joe, I, I would have done this sooner, but I wanted to give you a little extra time to perhaps recover from that uh, cardiac ending in that game uh, versus the Island Storm on Sunday. Uh, I guess the first thing is, uh, have you had have you had time to process everything that went on in that game? <laughs> yeah, I needed a couple of days to kind of catch my breath and uh, you know exhale right from from that game. It was quite the finish, but uh, yeah, I, you know I watched the game um, well later that night, and, and obviously I've watched the ending uh, a few times. I think I've watched the fourth quarter two or three times now. Uh, it was a, it was just a very exciting finish and uh, a lot of big plays you know, happened in that fourth quarter. And I know they've been all over social media for the last couple of days. So I've certainly had the opportunity to, to see uh, quite a bit of it and uh, and now process, you know, what happened there on, on Sunday. Yeah, and just for anybody that's listening that may not know, uh, it was a game against the Island Storm. It was an afternoon start, uh, 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon at the Avenir Center in Moncton. And the Island Storm, uh, they came into that game having not won a game on the road. They were 0-13 on the road. They had just come off a a really tough loss versus Halifax a couple of nights earlier where Halifax went on a major run in the last six minutes to kind of steal that game away from the Storm. So Dave Tingley and I uh, were kind of talking about it on the broadcast that the Island Storm might be like a bit of a wounded animal. And they they came out strong. They came out tough. And uh, their starters played big minutes. And uh, they kind of got off to a, a good start on you guys, Coach. What was it like for you over on the sideline in that first couple of quarters, particularly when the Island Storm was kind of having their way? Uh, frustrating. Certainly the first word that, that comes to mind. Uh, you know, we, we didn't know really how, how the Storm were, were going to come out that game, uh, you know, blowing that, that lead that they had in Halifax. Um, you know, you're either going to come out one of two ways, either like you said, kind of like a, a wounded animal, um, you know, or they're going to come out like, like a hornet's nest, you know, kind of, you know, ticked off about the last loss. So, you know, they, they came out very strong. And, I mean, listen, I, I 110% applaud, you know, the individual player efforts uh, by the Storm. They had some guys, you know, Guillaume Bucard and, and Alex Campbell, uh, you know, Tyree White, that were just outstanding uh, the course of the whole game. But for me, you know, the start of the game, it was just extremely frustrating. You know, we know that this is a pretty, pretty ball dominant team. Uh, you know, they, it's a lot of one on one play. Um, you know, they rely on a lot of isolation. You know, to to produce their offense. And when it's something as simple as hey, keep your guy in front of you, uh, and, and we just were not able to do that. We could not stop the basketball from getting to the paint. Uh, it was it was frustrating. It was a very frustrating first quarter. It was a frustrating first half. Um, it was a frustrating first three quarters, to be honest with you. But uh, I was happy to, you know, obviously see that we bounced back and kind of locked in in the fourth quarter. One thing that we talked about on the broadcast, and sometimes it can be hard to do because we've referenced before that this Moncton Magic squad has a lot of pretty kind of introverted, quiet guys. But I was kind of sensing a couple of times, and maybe I was misreading it, but that there seemed to be a little bit of body language with the guys on the floor that they were feeling the frustration. Were you sensing any of that over on the sideline? Were you and your coaches sensing that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we knew, you know, this was a game we really wanted to, to win. Um, you know, when, when you're, you know, basically competing, you know, trying to, to have that number one overall seed going into the playoffs, um, 
you know, when, when you have a team that, that struggled a little bit this year in your building, you know, that's a game you need to take care of. And, you know, again, the, I think the, the way the storm was scoring, how they were scoring, uh, a lot of it just, you know, again, individually getting beat off the dribble, uh, it was frustrating. You know, I think there were, there were obviously some calls like every game that, you know, some guys were frustrated with, but it was just magnified, um, you know, by our play. And I, I remember telling the guys one time at a time out, like, listen, we, we have no right to be taking any of this out on the officials. You know, we need to focus on our play right now because it's not good. And, and let, let's, let's put our energy towards that. Uh, rather than officials. So, no, there was certainly frustrations, no doubt, um, for us over the first three quarters. But, but again, you know, when it was winning time, when it was the time that really mattered, uh, our guys, you know, they answered the bell. Yeah, they sure did. And, it's you know, it's funny. You look at the numbers. Uh, the four of the five starters for the Storm played 40-plus minutes. But why not when they were playing as well as they were? And you talked about Guillaume Bucar. What a night he had overall, but my gosh, he got to the line 23 times, Coach, hitting 18 free throws. I know you were trying different combinations, trying to put different units out there. What was kind of the discussion on the sideline in those timeouts when you were trying to come up with a formula or a combination to kind of stop what was going on? What were you guys talking about? Well, I mean, obviously we were, we were throwing different bodies at him. You know, Wayne McCullough, uh, Marcus Lewis, you know, really had him the majority of the second half. But, you know, Guillaume Bucard is, is one of the more talented players in our league. I have a lot of respect for him. He plays hard. Um, you know, he plays hard every possession. You know, the same with Tyree White, really. Um, you know, for us, it was really more, hey, you know, Guillaume is trying to put his team on his back here. You know, eight out of ten times when he goes to the rim, he, he's not passing the ball. So let's, let's try to bring a little more help, um, put our focus on him defensively here and, and make him give the basketball up. And, you know, he just found ways to to beat his defender and basically beat the help and draw fouls. I mean, I think it's also one of the first times uh, in, in my career that I've, I've had an individual player from the opposing team make more free throws than our entire team made in that game. Guillaume Bucard was 18 of 23 from the line, and, and the Monk of Magic were 17 of 26. So, you know, he... He got to the line consistently. He was very tough to contain. So, so again, my hat's off to him. Now, some very good performances for your guys, especially down the stretch in that fourth quarter. But one player we'll talk about for a second, Billy White. Uh, you know, obviously the big offseason acquisition for the Moncton Magic was getting Billy White and having him come over from the Halifax Hurricanes. And you mentioned in the postgame podcast a couple of days ago uh, before the Island Storm game, that you thought that Billy was a bit passive versus the Highlanders. What did you see from Billy in, in the early stages of the game versus the Storm? Because Dave and I thought that he seemed to be a little more engaged and a little more not passive, I guess. Yeah, he was certainly more aggressive, you know. And as soon as we saw that Samson Carter was was out of the lineup, um, you know, we didn't feel that that they had a lot of, of fours you know, that could really defend him. Um, I mean, they, they basically were running with, uh, you know, Dingle uh, at the four, who was quite a bit smaller. Um, they would have played even Bucard at the four a little bit, but we just felt Billy had matchups that, that he could, um, you know, exploit a little bit on the offensive end. So we certainly talked to him about, you know, Billy, you got to be more aggressive, you know, at least, to, you know, to start this game and get yourself going a little bit. And, you know, the playmaking stuff will come. Um, you know, which he did. I think he had six assists again in that game. So 
So, but we certainly made it a point for him just to be more aggressive offensively. Um, you know, which he did. I mean, Billy, Billy had a, a very solid game for us. Now, there's so many ebbs and flows to a game, and, and I've asked you a little bit about you know what some of the the discussion was at during the timeouts, especially in that first half. What was it like in the locker room at the half? Because, you know, a lot of times fans and commentators as well, we wonder, you know, what can be being said right now, especially when the half went the way it did for you guys on your home court. What was it like in the locker room? Did you guys have a message as a coaching staff? Was there a player that stood up? What do you recall about that halftime? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. The way the first half went, like I said, it, it it was frustrating because it wasn't X's and O's. You know, it wasn't schemes. It wasn't, you know, we couldn't go out in there and, and say, okay, you know, this is what the storm is, is running. This is what they're doing offensively. This is what we're struggling with. You know, we'll make these type changes when so much of it was, hey, guys, get down, have some pride, and, and defend your own guy. Like, so much of this is one-on-one off the bounce. You know, other than, than talking about bringing some more help, you know, into the lane, um, there wasn't much going on on the dry race board, you know, put it that way. It was more of a, um, let, let's get our act together. Let's actually take some pride and, and, you know, not allow your man to beat you one-on-one because that's what's happening right now. And, you know, it got to the fo- the point finally, I think it was Jake Elise just kind of said, you know, coach, you know, there's nothing more to say. You know, he stood up and like, there's nothing more to say. You know, we, we need to get our act together defensively and, um, you know, those were the final parting words in, in the locker room at halftime. It wasn't uh, a pleasant uh, halftime at all. You know, sometimes, you know, our, our halftimes are very positive, And, you know, this was more about getting a message across that, you know, we need to play harder and, and compete against this team that's putting it on us, you know, in our own building. Wait a second. Jay Caliste, the usual super quiet ninja guy who, listen, he, he plays with the big heart on the floor, but – he was the guy that kind of that kind of had words, Kaliest. Yeah, I mean Jay. Listen, like I said, Jay Jay's one of our most intelligent players. He has an extremely high basketball IQ. He's also one of the most intense guys, you know, that you're going to find. You know, so Jay doesn't say much, but when he says something, most of the time guys listen. And I think Jay had had heard enough, and he just said, "Coach, we got it. There's no, there's nothing else left to say here." You know, we just need to be better right now defensively. And um, like I said, he, he, you know, he's a, he's a man of a few words, but, but when, he, when he has words to say, uh, they're usually pretty loud and, and they're heard. So, uh, you know, it was good. It was good to Jay to, to step up. And something else that really caught my eye, uh, especially in that second half, Corey Almond, who loves to kind of get the energy of the crowd going and he gets in that rhythm sometimes or he's just unstoppable, especially just walking into three-point shots or the catch and shoot. But something I noticed with Corey, and I thought it was a really big thing in terms of just the overall team perspective, there was a couple of times where he had shots that I think if you asked him, he, he'd say, yeah, I should have hit that. But for whatever reason, they weren't dropping. You could tell initially he was disappointed, but then – he was locking right in and getting right back and playing tough defense, especially 1v1. When you see a guy like a Corey Almond have that moment where he's not hitting the shot and he's not getting the offense, but then he locks in immediately going back on defense, what does that say to you over on the sideline? Well, I mean, Corey's a veteran player, and, you know, Corey understands that, you know, if he's not knocking shots down, um, 
you know, he needs to contribute in another way. And, and, you know, I thought he picked up his effort, you know, on the defensive end of the second half. And, you know, I'm again, Corey's played a lot of basketball games in his life and, you know, he, he knew how the game was going, you know, he knew what we needed to, to improve on and, um, you know, what we had to do to, to try to carve out a win and get some defensive stops. So, you know, it was good. It was good to see Corey, you know, understand like he was having an off shooting night. Uh, you know, we continued to, to go to him. We continued to kind of draw plays for Corey. Uh, we wanted to get him going because he's such a weapon. But, uh, you know, he, he just, like I said, he knew he had to contribute uh, in a different way that night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he stepped up in the, in the second half defensively. Now, I can't remember exactly what the sequence was that led to this, but as coaches, you always got to, you know, represent your guys, you know, work work the referees, make your point, whatever the case may be. And there was one, there was one sequence there where you got pretty heated with an official and – Dave even made the comment on the broadcast that, oh, I think I think Coach is actually looking to get one here, but you didn't get the call. Do you remember that situation and exactly what that discussion might have been? And, and did you think you might get the T, Coach? Yeah, I, I remember it. Um, you know, it was actually right at the end of the, the third quarter when Jason Kalise, uh picked up a, a technical foul. Um, you know, Jason was you know was defending the guy full court. I think it was Tyree White who was trying to get a final shot off and. Um, you know, he was called by the trail official, who I felt had absolutely no angle um, to, to make the, the foul call on Jay. And, you know, after watching on, on film, you know, there was no, no question it was, it was not a foul on, on police. And Jay reacted poorly to it, um, you know, was communicating with the official who made the call on him. And then a second official kind of came running in from 40 feet away and assessed a technical foul to Jay Kalise. And... You know, to me, there was so much wrong <laughs> that happened in that, that one sequence. Um, you know, obviously, I, I kind of needed to, to stand up for Jay there a little bit. You know, in, in my mind, you know, I wasn't saying, hey, let, let's get a technical right now. Uh, you know, I'll take one right now. I, I knew I was pushing the limit a bit. I, I wasn't going to mind taking a technical at that point, considering it was a dead ball. We weren't going to lose possession and maybe it could have been a moment to fire our guys up heading into the, you know, fourth quarter. So I think in the back of my mind, I knew I was stepping over the line. I was okay with that. I would have been okay taking a technical there um, just to show Jay I have his back. But at the same time, try to fire our guys up heading into the final 12 minutes of the game. And you guys were fired up in that final 12 minutes of the game. Uh, before we get to the final play and the final score, you guys outscored the Island Storm 36-20 in that fourth quarter. So you talk about winning time. It certainly was. And there were any number of important plays in that fourth quarter, but one that certainly sticks out in my mind and Dave's mind, and I'm sure your mind and the coaching staff and all his teammates and all the fans and everybody else was the block. And I'm just going to call it the block. Freddie McSwain on the big man in the middle. And he's a large man, Terrell Carter the second. They call him TC. And he played pretty well, and he, he was kind of knocking guys around for the better part of that game. But he was fed underneath, Carter was, by Daniel Dingle. And Carter looked to get the big slam. And out of nowhere, Coach, Freddie McSwain Jr. just launched himself and kind of flew up over the top of TC and blocked it away. How much did that change the energy for you and for the team? 
Yeah, it was a, a big, big time play. Uh, you know, Freddie was actually, you know, guarding Guillaume Bucard, um, you know, as, as, uh, Carter got that, that basketball, he was about 13 feet away from, from Terrell Carter. And he's just so athletic and so explosive. Um, and Freddie, you know, when, when he goes after a shot, I mean, he attacks it. I mean, he, there's nothing timid about when, when Freddie McSwain is going for a block shot or going for a dunk, uh, you know, he's in full on, you know, attack mode. And, and that's what he did. I mean, he attacked the basketball. And I mean, Freddie is an extremely powerful athlete. And, you know, when he had a, a two to three step running start and I mean, he elevated, I mean, his head was above the rim and I mean, just brought the basketball down with him with such authority and force. I mean, it was a, a tremendous play and it was a huge momentum swing. I mean, he, he had that block probably with about seven and a half minutes left in the game. And I think at the time it might've been a seven, seven point game, roughly seven to eight. So it was a big momentum swing. Uh, it got our crowd into it. Um, it got our bench into it, you know, and Freddie, Freddie's great for that. I mean, he's such an exciting player and, uh, it was, it was a huge play in the game. I mean, I think, I think the block, I think it has over 7,000 views now on, on social media. Um, it certainly has been talked about, you know, around the league and, uh, in kind of basketball circles, you know, up here in Canada. So, no, it was a big, big time play by Freddie, and you know that's part of his job. You know, make exciting plays, get our crowd into it, and uh, it was a, just a tremendous block, one one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, me as well. And and I went and thanked him afterwards. I said, "Hey, as a play by play guy, anytime I get to call something like that, that goes in my little mental highlight reel and stays with me forever." And something that might kind of get lost in the shuffle, coach, was the very next sequence when the ball went down the floor on the offense for you guys. On an offensive rebound chance, Freddie basically outleapt two Island Storm defenders and went up over the back of both of them to grab a huge offensive rebound. And that, again, that might get lost in the shuffle because of everything else that went on and then the, the game winner at the end. But, you know, he stayed with it. He had the big block, but then he got back to the other end of the floor and grabs that big offensive rebound. How much did that lift your guys? Yeah, it just it just continued the momentum, right, from from the previous play. And and you know, that's how teams start to go on runs. You know, they they build momentum, you know, from back to back or or back to back to back, you know, exciting big plays which gets your crowd into it and um, you know, Freddie, you know, there there certainly was no over the back foul there. Like Freddie went up and got that basketball, you know, above I think two Storm players. Um, free of any contact. Obviously, when he came down, it may have looked like he was over the back of a player, but you know he rebounded that ball very cleanly and kicked it out. Uh, I think to Trey Kell for a, a pretty open look. So, no, just huge, huge, exciting plays by Freddie McSwain. He's such a momentum guy. Um, you know, our, our crowd just loves him. I mean, how could you not? Uh, you know, watching him play. So, no, big, big time plays by Freddie, who again is is such an important role for us you know, off the bench. He just brings such a, a boost of excitement and energy. Um, so he, he was good. He's been getting better and better. Um, you know, and I think he's only going to see his minutes continue to go up and up as the season progresses. So um, now big time plays by Freddie really, really helped us in that fourth quarter. And he's adding the uh, jump shot to his game as well. And, and he seems comfortable from almost any range. And now you mentioned, we talked about Billy White off uh, the top part of this broadcast, which is a bit of a segue into another 
San Diego State alum, Trey Kell. And what a game for Trey Kell, uh, the newest member of this Moncton Magic team. And we've said it before, but he's really stabilized the point guard position. And we'll talk about his big five-second left-in-the-game shot in a second. But my goodness, Coach, another huge game for Trey Kell. 40 points, uh, 11 rebounds, uh, he nine assists, so one assist shy of a 40-point triple-double. Uh, has, has he stopped amazing you yet? No. <laughs> no, he hasn't at all. I mean, Trey is... I mean, he's a high, high level player. Um, I mean, he is a big, big time talent. And, you know, he, again, I just can't get over, you know, how calm and poised he is on the floor with the basketball. Nothing rattles him, you know, nothing shakes him. He just makes great decisions. Um, it's rare you ever see him take a bad shot, you know, or commit a, a turnover. I mean, of course, he'll have one or two here or there just because of the amount he has the basketball in his hands. But no, I mean, he has just been so good for us, you know, over his first six games. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny because obviously there's been this season long issue at the, at the point guard spot that's really been out of our control. You know, I think we've brought in talented point guard after talented point guard, you know, from Carson to Herring to Mundy. Um, and, you know, maybe it's ironic. Maybe you know that, that maybe the guy we were looking for all season is the guy that, that we're going to end up with and end the season with. So, Trey has been really good. Um, you know, I, I think he's just going to continue to be solid. You know, you're not going to see 40-point triple-doubles from him every night. But, but man, um, you know, you've been seeing serious production from him. Uh, every game has been really, really solid. And, you know, I think he's a guy that, that teammates enjoy playing with because he's unselfish and he makes the right basketball play, you know, nine out of ten times. So i uh, just been really impressed with him and, even more impressed with his, his character and his head. And uh, Trey Kell is going to be a, a very, very good pro for, for a long time, considering he doesn't turn 23 until in April. <laughs> you know, he's got a, a lot of a lot of basketball left in him, and he's gotten off to a great start for us here in Moncton. In terms of his pro career, just a baby coach. Yeah, he really is. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe it, you know, if, if someone told you that he's only 22, um, you know, his, his first, you know, kind of gig over in, in Bosnia uh, earlier this year, um, you know, he only played a few preseason games and I think three games over there. So, I mean, he, he's a true rookie. You know, this is his first year playing pro ball. And, and yeah, he's very young, but he's he's wise, you know, over his years. And um, he's just been a, a great find for us, a great pickup. And, um, you know, I, I just look forward to continue to work with him. He's a he's a type player coaches love to, to coach because he's coachable. Yet, you know, he'll give you great feedback because he just has such a high IQ. And, um, you know, it's just been a real pleasure uh, having him here in Moncton. And it was interesting, uh, you know, I referenced that he and Billy White both uh, attended San Diego State University, of course, at different times. If it was kind of neat to see the camaraderie and the togetherness of the team, there was a post on, on Billy's Instagram later on, and he had a picture of Trey Kell with the player of the game graphic from the Magic. And uh, I'm paraphrasing, but the comment was something along the lines of, you know, watch out for us Diego guys. So that, that's kind of neat to see that camaraderie from that angle as well, Coach. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's rare that you have two guys from the, the same school, you know, on your, on your team. I mean, you think about it, 
Uh, Billy was five, six years uh, you know, before Trey Kell uh, arrived, you know, at San Diego State. And, I mean, it, it's in San Diego, right? I mean, it's basically on the other side of, of, uh, of North America. And just to have those two guys, you know, end up on the same team in the NBL Canada, it's kind of a rarity. You know, you don't see that too often. Uh, I'm trying to think back if I've ever had two guys, you know, from the same college, uh, you know, big-time Division One major program, you know, on our roster at the same time. And I, I'm not sure that I have. So, yeah, it's definitely a kind of a cool camaraderie thing. Uh, you know, they're actually their roommates. They they live together uh, in the same apartment. So, um, yeah, no, they're they're uh, and you know, I, I put a tweet out. You know, and actually, I tagged San Diego State. You know, men's basketball. You know, hey, we just had two Aztecs. You know, combined for whatever sixty-three points and nineteen assists and you know, 15 rebounds and uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's those degrees of separation that I love to talk about in sports, all the different uh, branches and and things that kind of seem to combine and and bring everything together. Uh, Let's get now down talking about the final stages of that game because for the most part, Coach, when the Island Storm built that lead and, and got it up around double digits, it kind of stayed there for a long time. Like you guys would chip away, get it down to six, seven, but for the most part, Island Storm had it 10, 12, 13, you know, fairly comfortable for the majority of the game. But we talked about the McSwain block, some of the other things that started going right for you guys in that fourth quarter on the defensive side of the ball. When did you guys start to get a feeling that, you know what, we're going to get back into this. We're we're coming back. We we've got this. Was was there a point in that fourth quarter, or was it just kind of you were just letting it unfold as it as it played out in front of you? Yeah, I mean, going into the fourth, we were down fifteen. Um, you know, that's quite a, a hurdle to come back from, especially when you have you know guys like Bucard and, and Tyree White that were playing as well as they were. Um, for me, it was it was the Trey Kell three uh, that cut it from ten to seven. You know, as soon as he knocked that shot down and it went to seven points, um, you know, I knew we were we were going to have a, an opportunity to win the game. Um, so, I mean, that was the, the moment for me that said, hey, you know, we might we might steal this one. And, um, you know, sometimes over the course of a 40 game season, you have to steal wins. And, um, you know, the guys just they hung in there and, and they hit a lot of big shots. I mean, we knocked down four or five threes in the final six minutes of that game that were just just huge. We were kind of trading threes for twos uh, with the storm that kept kind of whittling that, that lead down. But yeah, the, the trade tell that cut it from 10 to seven was, was the moment for me uh, that I knew we were going to be in a position to, to potentially win the game. So you do get it down. It's 120, 118 for the Island storm. Uh, about 11 or 12 seconds left on the clock, I think initially, and you guys had an inbounds play. And the Island Storm had fouls to give. Before we get to the big final shot, what was drawn up for that play? Because, again, you guys had about 11 or 12 seconds left, but the Island Storm had fouls to give. So what was the play? What were you guys looking to do out of that? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, so we, we knew uh, they still had fouls to give. And, um, you know, I, I did tell Trey, who was going to be receiving the entry pass, uh, you know, to, to go quick, like kind of look to attack right away to try to make them take that foul, um, you know, where we would still have, you know, maybe nine or 10 seconds left for a, a, another possession, uh, which he did, you know, he executed that well, but the actual play design was, was actually, uh, 
uh, an action we'd been running the entire fourth quarter that we had had a lot of success with, where basically we put Trey Kell in a, in a high pick and roll situation. Uh, we had been doing it with Denzel Taylor, but then as that screen was happening, we had Corey Allman setting a back screen for Denzel Taylor. And basically we wanted to put the ball in, in Trey's hands um, in that final possession. We ran it with Billy White and, and Corey. Um, and Trey was to come off the screen and, and basically, you know, either have Billy White on the roll, either have a, a lane and try to get all the way to the rim, or Corey Allman had been wide open uh, popping after this, this back screen he'd been setting. So he was going to have one of those three options. And to be honest with you, I was perfectly fine with any decision he was going to make whether it was him attacking the rim, Billy White maybe rolling to the rim or, or kicking out to Corey Allman for three, um, you know, potentially to win the game. In my mind, I just wanted Trey Kell to get downhill and, and look to attack the rim. So that was the design of the play. Um, and, you know, Trey, when he got the catch, we didn't set a good screen. Um, you know, Billy didn't set a great screen that would have freed Trey up initially to get the entry. So he really had to fight. Tyree White to get the basketball in his hands and I think it was just the positioning of which Tyree White was in you know once Trey caught the ball Trey saw that you know he was really on his his left hip so he had a clear view at the basket and I mean Trey just made a decision you know I'm I'm, I'm gonna shoot this basketball and um he knocked down a huge shot so like I said he makes great decisions and I was comfortable putting the basketball in his hands and uh you know, he made a big shot. He made a big shot, a huge shot, and there was about five seconds left on the clock when Trey Kell hit that three-pointer to put you guys up by a point, 121-120. And at that point in the game, that was literally the first lead that the Moncton Magic had in the entire contest. Coach, I know you've coached a lot of games at the pro level, going back to your Vermont Frost teams days, uh, and you've been with the NBL a long time. You're the longest tenured coach in the National Basketball League of Canada. But have you ever coached a game where your team trailed for the entire game and didn't take the lead until the last few seconds and then got the win? Have you ever had that? No, no, I really haven't. I mean, I think we trailed for what? 47 minutes and 54 seconds roughly in that game. So, uh, no, I mean, when, when Trey hit the shot, um, to put us up, you know, with five seconds left and, and obviously the Island had no timeouts remaining and, um, you know, the horn sounded five seconds later and the game was over. I mean, I was certainly in, in a little bit of shock and disbelief that, you know, uh, you've been trailing this entire game and we're going to walk out of here with a win. So no, I, that, that was a first for me. Um, but, you know, like I said, um, this time of year, you know, when you're competing for playoff position, et cetera, I'll take any win that comes our way. So, you know, I'm proud of the guys for hanging in there. And, you know, they really played well in the fourth quarter. Um, so to be trailing for 36 minutes and then continue to compete and, and keep their head and hang in there and, and play a, a great fourth quarter, um, you know, I'm proud of the guys for that. You know, I'm, I certainly am. You know, I'm not entirely happy. You know, certainly not happy how we played defensively. Um, again, I give a lot of credit to the individual efforts of uh, some of the Island players. But I'll, I'll take the win uh, for sure. But it, it was a first time for me, Scott, definitely. And that's saying something given uh, the amount of games that you coach. So another cool thing about sports is that you can be around a long time and, and still have a first 
happen to you. The other cool thing, for me anyway, uh, and was impressive, was given the uh, the emotion and everything that was going on in the building with the crowd erupting and the players, you know, obviously being excited by the Trey Kell three ball to put you guys up by a point, there was still five seconds left and Guillaume Bucar had the ball in his hands and was driving to the rim. You guys still, even though you were caught up in the emotion of that moment, got back on defense to contest that final attempt by Bukhar at the rim. From a coaching perspective, uh, how much is there a little grin on your face when you're thinking, hey, the last five seconds, they just didn't celebrate. They actually got back and played some defense. Is that like a natural thing? Is that muscle memory? Uh, I don't think it was, Scott. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think it was shock. I, I think I think the guys were shocked that, you know, we made this shot and all of a sudden we were up. And I think that's what, what stopped any kind of celebration. I, I, I legitimately think guys were just in shock and, and they literally paused for a split second and said, wow, you know, we're, we're, we're potentially going to win this game. And, um, you know, we, we certainly didn't defend the inbound well. You know, Marcus Lewis got caught on one side of Bucard and, and kind of trailed him right off the catch. Now, Freddie and Billy uh, did a nice job of getting back defensively. And, you know, that's a really tough situation to be put in. Uh, only up one with a, a guy who's gone to the free throw line 23 times, you know, attacking the rim with five seconds with a full head of steam. You don't want to foul, um, you know, but you can't just give him a layup. So I was just really pleased that, you know, Billy was there to contest and, and Freddie just being his aggressive self again attack mode on the basketball he, he went after the basketball and he made a play and uh you know he made a great block on on Bucard uh to finish that game so it was a combination of I think a little shock and uh and then just you know attacking you know you know doing whatever we can to, to get the win uh, so no it was it was a it was a big play uh you know by Freddie and, and Billy there to to close out the win and uh, a famous quote from Wayne Gretzky way back when of, of course it's on the hockey side but when he was talking about how he scored goals because he scored so many different ways, he said, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And at the end of the year, that's the same thing with wins, right, Coach? They don't ask you how, they just ask you how many. Yeah, that, you know, that, that's exactly true. And, you know, at the end of this season or end of the regular season, you know, however we finish, uh, you know, people are going to say, oh, they went, you know, whatever, 23 and 17, or they went, you know, 25 and 15, or whatever we end up doing you know, they're going to talk about that. They're not going to talk about, well, you know, that 20th win against the Storm, they, they trailed for most of the game. Uh, that's just not how it, it happens uh, in sports. So, you know, a win's a win is a win. And uh, we wanted that win. We wanted to clinch, um, assure ourselves that the postseason. And now, you know, we can really focus on, on winning this Atlantic division. Um, you know, we know we're going to be in the playoffs. No one's taken that away from us. We've earned that. Uh, now it's all about positioning and and trying to uh, trying to win the Atlantic and, and possibly that number one overall seed. Yeah, that's another really good uh, point about the outcome of that game Sunday. Is that as you said, you guys do now clinch a playoff spot. And look, all wins are important. All games are important. But you know, there's always these little intangibles in the world of sports. There's always these little psychological things. The way that you guys won that and the and the grit and the fight that you showed in that fourth quarter and getting that last second cardiac style win, how much can something like that 
help you guys down the stretch, and in particular into the playoffs when you can get into some really nail-biting situations? Yeah, I mean, it will, it will help you. I mean, even subconsciously it's going to help you just because you've, you've been in that situation before. Um, you know, whoever we see in the first round of the playoffs, it's it's going to be a bear. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be a, a really, really tough series. And, um, you know, whether it's Kick Ray, whether it's Halifax, whether it's St. John, it doesn't matter. You know, there, there's going to be times where you could find yourself down 15, you know, in a game or in a second half because these other teams are, are so so good and it's just so competitive. So to be able to even subconsciously, like I said, know that we've been in this situation before and, you know, every game in the playoff is so important um, in, in a series, especially the first round of best of five series is really tough. You know, just to have that in the back of your mind that, you know, we've done this before, you know, we can do it again. Um, I think it's important. So certainly uh, an important win and, and, you know, honestly how we won that game uh, could be very important come come the postseason. I'm always amazed by the memories that coaches have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to to reach into your deep recesses again. But again, you've coached uh, a lot of years in pro ball, especially in in the NBLC. Uh, have you ever coached a team that has clinched this early? Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think uh, the second year I went to the finals i think um which would have been like 2013 14 um you know we won the atlantic division that year i think we finished like 27 and 13 might have might have been the record um i think we clinched pretty early you know i think we clinched pretty early but um you know i i I have not had that number one overall seed before you know which i think i've commented on so that certainly would be a, a new feat um you know for for myself and for the teams that I've coached, you know, to potentially have number one overall uh, and have home court throughout the playoffs, you know, never had that. So that's still a long ways away. You know, Halifax is, is playing great basketball right now. You know, they're, they're right there with us. Um, you know, St. John has won five or six in a row at home. Now Kate Breton just added a, a huge piece and uh, in a in guy named Devin sweet. He was a great pickup for them. So there's still a ton of work to do um, for us. But like I said, we've crossed one goal off the list, make the playoffs, you know, it's on to the next one. And final thing before we move on and uh, get a little bit of uh, the Salerno family time into the podcast, Coach, uh, with such an emotional victory and just some of the ways that things went in that game, the ebb and flow, the ups and downs, the dramatic finish, what was the mood like in the room? Like, what were the guys like afterwards? You know, what was that energy level like in the room after the game? You know, it was, it was pretty calm. <laughs> you know, it, it actually wasn't uh, what, what some may think. Um, you know, again, I, I, we try to hold ourselves to pretty high standards. And, you know, again, for 36 minutes, you know, we trailed in that game. We, we didn't play, you know, our style of basketball on the defensive end. And, um, you know, we didn't make great adjustments. So, you know, I think guys were, were pleased to get the win. You know, I think a lot of guys were, were obviously happy for guys like Trey Cow who – who had a big time game, best game of his career, um, you know, but it, it was, it was, I think we were, we were just happy to, to, to steal that one and, you know, kind of uh, get, get out of that, that game with a win and, and clinch a, a postseason spot. Well, you know, congratulations on that win. And, and Hey, listen, thank you from a, from a play by play perspective. Uh, that was a gift. That was a fun one to do. So, you know, thanks for that coach. That, that would meant a lot to me. So thank you. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you got to be thanking, you know, guys like, like Allman and, and Freddie and Trey. Those are the guys that are out there, you know, making plays. And, you know, Trey Cal, again, just, just made a, a huge play. You know, Freddie McSwain had a huge play. You know, those, those guys are, when it's all said and done, you know, coaches, again, I always say the best thing I can do is put guys in a position um, to try to make plays and, and, you know, win games. And when it comes down to it, you know, those are the guys getting it done out there. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of credit to, uh, to the players on our team for hanging in there and, and coming up with big plays. No, there's no question about it. And spoken like a true leader and a true coach of a pro team. Now, speaking of coaches, what can you give us uh, on an update on the, the mini magic? Because I know that you were coaching uh, your son's minor basketball league team just to add another coaching notch to your belt. But what's an update on the mini magic? Mini magic had a great run. We had a, we had a great run. We actually, uh, again, our playoffs, we were uh seven seed out of 10 teams. Uh, so it was going to be an uphill battle. We ended up winning our first game, dropping our second. Uh, so we got moved down to the losers bracket. And I think we then won three in a row and we battled all the way back out of the losers bracket to the semifinals. We were one went away from playing in the, the day of champions as the MKNBA uh, calls it, which is a, is a cool event. It's actually an event where every MKNBA team, you know, is invited uh, to do a skills competition and, and watch, you know, the championship games. And, you know, we were one win away and we came up a little short, lost a tough one in, in the semifinals. And, uh, but it was, it was a ton of fun. And, you know, the kids, the kids definitely played their best basketball in the playoffs, they had a great time, and uh, it was cool. It was it was a, a really fun experience. That was my my first time coaching uh, Cam in basketball. Um, of course, my daughter now is is looking for that next season, right? But uh, it was it was a fun experience, and and uh, certainly you know something I'll, I'll remember for sure. You know, that's a big reason why I wanted to do it, just to have these memories with Cam. Um, so it was it was good, good run for the Magic. Well, congratulations on uh, the good run with the Mini Magic and pretty cool experience getting to coach not only the little guys and the little ones, but uh, your son as well. And I know that with the run of weather lately, there's been a few snow days, Coach. So uh, how are things in the Salerno household with all of these snow days lately? Like, how's Darcy holding up? <laughs> Darcy's a warrior. <laughs> she, she's a warrior when it comes to, to snow days because, you know, with with where we're at in our season, a lot of times dad, dad still has to go to work. You know, our, my work kind of never stops. Um, so she's kind of manning the, the home front. Uh, they've been good. They've, they've, they've been good. They've, uh, again, the kids are just so active, right? And as long as, as they're getting along and, and playing well together, then things can go pretty smooth. You know, it's when one of them, you know, is maybe having a rough day, then it get a little ugly, but they, you know, I think they went, they went, uh, sledding yesterday, you know, they played outside, they took our dog for a long walk and played in the snow. And, uh, I think they had a good day. You know, I think it was like the 11th snow day of the year. <laughs> the kids have had a, a couple winter vacations here. Um, but it was good. It was good. Actually, it was really cool. Sunday, uh, uh, Camden, you know, didn't have hockey, didn't have basketball. So he actually got to come to the arena with me uh before the game he, he got down there pretty early and got some shots up and uh hung out in the locker room for a while that was that was really fun that was something we haven't been able to do a lot just because he's 
he's so busy uh, a lot of times with his own sports. But uh, no, things are going. Uh, they're going well. We're we're looking forward now to uh, all soccer and and uh, baseball season coming up. It just keeps on coming. There's no end. But one of the cool things about being a parent is getting to to kind of watch your kids grow and develop and do those kinds of things. Well, listen, Coach. Uh, thanks again for taking the time to join us here on Magic Time. Good luck uh, up at Harbor Station in St. John versus the Riptide on Friday. And we'll look see, uh, look forward to seeing you back at the Avenir Center. Uh, Sunday afternoon, we're actually going to have one of the Ontario teams coming in, our first chance to see the KW Titans in Moncton this season. So good luck with both of those games. And congratulations on clinching a playoff spot. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks for having me on, and we'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, sir. Have a great day, Coach. Bye for now. That is Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. Always a pleasure when we're able to have Coach on, and we really appreciate him taking time. He's a he's a busy man. He's got lots going on, coaching the professional team, coaching his kids' teams, uh, being a dad, being a husband, and all the other things that come with it. And from following on social media, it seems that his wife, Darcy, is pretty impressed with uh, Coach's abilities to be able to do a little bit of housework, uh, laundry and dishes. So good on you, Coach, and we appreciate you joining us. Until next time, friends, this has been Magic Time. Look forward to seeing you, talking to you again soon. And remember, we're right back on the air, Dave Tingley and I, on NBLC Live this Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Atlantic for tip-off. Make sure you join us as the KW Titans, Kitchener-Waterloo, in town to take on the Moncton Magic, who now have clinched a playoff spot. Take care, friends. Enjoy your day. And remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.